Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. All right, welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. Super excited for today's episode and my special guest. I'm always excited about so it kind of seems like a recording every time I say this, but truly, I am. I am. I'm excited for my next guest. Um, I've been trying to get some of the top anglers from the Hobie BOS tournament leading up to the TOC to t- try to get them to talk about, you know, uh, their season and what they're expecting going into the TOC. I've had already um, Drew Gregory. And my next guest today is going to be UM Minor, one of the brightest young talents in the kayak fishing uh, tournament side. Uh, and I'm super excited to have him on. Uh, for those of us that love kayak fishing, love the tournament scene, and you know are a fan of keeping, keeping tabs on who's, who's winning, who's doing good, who has a chance of winning the championship, the TLC, and all that... We know the big names, we know the Russ Snyders, we know the Drew Gregories, the Jody Quinns, but it's also exciting to see a brand new main come up. And when we look at long-term, the health of the kayak fishing community and the tournament scene moving forward, the popularity of it, it's important to get these um, young studs into kayak fishing um, to do great. So you're in minor, definitely fits the bill. And he's here to talk about his great season he's had so far in the Hobie BOS and his chances of, you know, getting Angler of the Year. You know, that's some lofty goals considering who's in the running. As always, Russ Snyder, Jody Queen, Duke Gregory are there. And the other big names that uh, kind of throw themselves into the hat is Brian Howell, local uh, Texas boy here who's we're all rooting for in Texas as well. And uh, so that's it, man. We are super excited to have you in Minor. We're going to go to a quick commercial, and then we're going to bring you and Minor in. Before that, just a quick thank you to my sponsor, Douglas Rod. Go to douglasoutdoors.com to check out their full lineup, LRS rods, X-Matrix rods, and award-winning fly fishing rods. Go check them out. Quick commercial, and then we got you and Minor. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, If we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. 
Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, Log on to MidwayUSA.com. You and Minor, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good, man. Excited, like I said, to have you on, man. Thank you for taking the time. I know you are currently in Arkansas, and you are pre-fishing for collegiate tournament, so I really appreciate you taking the time out of the busy schedule, I'm sorry, to come up to the podcast, man. Yeah, it's no problem. Everyone's outside rigging tackle, getting ready for our final day of pre-fishing. So just snuck away for a couple minutes. I'm glad to be on the show. Awesome, man. Thank you again. So before we get into the Hobie BOS, uh, tell me a little bit about this tournament you got coming up. It's a collegiate. It's a basketball, I'm assuming. What college do you um, represent and uh, what's the lake that you're going to be fishing at? Uh, it's uh, ACA Collegiate Bass. Uh, it's just they're, they're open. They usually have one every fall one every spring and a couple other tournaments but it's on lake dardanelle it's a two-day best five event and i fish for carson newman university nice man congratulations on that um is let me ask you this out of ignorance because i'm already close to my 50s and i went when i went to college especially where i live in puerto rico we didn't have any bass fishing tournaments at the collegiate level is this something that you get like a scholarship uh if you take part in the team you know i mean it's it depends on what team you go to some teams have scholarships some teams it's a club sport uh it really depends on which school how much they're willing to put into the fishing program but now we have a we have a pretty good program at carson newman if there's any young anglers uh watching this uh you can contact hunter sales our coach he's he runs a great program when we go to go to tournaments we've got our gas covered we've got our lodging covered and all of our food it's it's pretty incredible that that our school can do this that's awesome man and again the name of the college is carson's college is that correct carson newman perfect man and you know Shout out to them for, you know, providing uh, this opportunity for you guys to go out there, enjoy the time on the water, you know, as you go in your um, collegiate career, you know, and, and your education. That's awesome, man. I wish they had that when and I was in college. So that's pretty cool. So anyways, going into the Hobie BOS, man. Again, congratulations on a great tournament. You're pretty much one of the favorites on the standing. Now, you're currently sitting on first or second place. Remind me. I'm sitting in first right now. First place, correct. Awesome, and so that puts you to the driver's seat. I know it's double points for the TLC. How are you feeling going to the TLC? Are you confident? I mean, I'm I'm pretty nervous about it. It's a 
fall tournament, I'm typically struggle in the fall, especially on grass lakes, which Eufaula is one of those. But I'm just like any other tournament, going to go into it with an open mind. Just try to try to keep moving. Don't get stuck doing anything that's not working. And spend a lot of time covering water pre-fishing so that if something isn't working, I'll be able to adjust. Um, and also, it's a three-day event, which that puts a curveball into it. I don't I'm not sure if there's been any other three-day events, but I know it's the first one for Hobie, so yeah. that'll that'll definitely change things up a lot. Yeah, I think it changes your game plan, right? When you're talking about a three-day event, I think it's it's key. And again, I don't have the experience that you have on tournaments. You obviously do both tournaments as well, like we just talked about. But it seems to me like it's it, the key is trying to get five fish every day. And then kind of like get five fish the first day, get five fish the second day. And then if you do, then third, that's really going to what determines what's going to be the third day is going to look at, mm -hmm. you know. So that's it's going to be interesting. I, I think it's it's an experience that I don't know if it's going to help you in the long term or but at least it evens the field, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. with you and one and some of the most uh experienced angler because i'm assuming for most of them this is still brand new uh territory fishing mm -hmm. a three-day tournament so that kind of helps you in my opinion and again i could be wrong in the sense that you all in that level playing field where none of none of you are accustomed to fishing mm -hmm. a three-day tournament and the game planning it's going to be completely different certainly from a one-day tournament um uh, probably different from a second day tournament so you know it's definitely going to be a challenge and uh we'll look forward to see what what happens with that man what the game plan is going to be for each one well you know typically because two days typically something changes between day one and day two but yeah. with, you, you throw three days into it not only are you trying to manage your fish you're also looking at the conditions because you know there might be someone that i'm saying that Whoever wins the TOC, it probably won't be one off of one spot or one singular stretch or something like some of the two days are. They'll find a little magical yeah. place. I think between fishing pressure and just changing conditions that they'll have multiple areas that, you know, maybe even fish a different area on the first day than the last two or vice versa. I think that'll be what it takes to win. Yeah, and especially managing your spots. Like if you were there earlier, like I'll give an example. Matthew Scott, I had him on my podcast. I fished a tournament where he was fishing too. It was the KBF Trail at Trinity, uh, Trinity River System here in Texas. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a two-day tournament. For those that are not familiar, it's not really, it's like, it's a tournament on Saturday and a tournament on Sunday and they're kind of separate from each other so the mm -hmm. points don't but one of the things that Matthew Scotch was saying is that on the first day he had a hundred inches in the first two hours when mm -hmm. he saw Jody Quinn jump up to 109 inches that's when he said there's no point in me trying and blowing up my spot I'll leave it for the next day which it's kind of interesting move because he still got in the money but then the second mm -hmm. day you saw guillermo and jody queen who have put 110 109 respectively don't didn't do as well what matthew scott still went back to his spot and won the second day mm 
yeah. and again it's it's a different dynamic because but kind of like the principle is yeah. there you know where if you're on a hot bite and you can only keep five fish do do you try to keep upgrading or do you settle for a decent score and hopefully leave those fish alone and try to go for the second day and then they're there the second day and then you know depending on your second day results and where you're standing overall then you that's going to determine your third day so that there's a game within a game that i find it very interesting mm-hmm. yeah it's awesome right it's it's definitely a whole lot of a lot more strategy is you add more days onto the term have you ever fished uh you follow uh i have not but i fished seminal opposite time of year it was in the spring but that's just a little ways down the river below you follow oh so it's probably something similar it's maybe some by some d- details whether you know whether they where they're holding and all that mm-hmm. that might be different from seminal but the main principle is the fish are going to behave kind of relatively in the same way it's just finding those duplicating those spots i would imagine mm-hmm. in in your follow so are you feeling confident about going in are you feeling uh some self-doubt creeping in how's it well, how's that jitters going the fact that it's a three-day really helps me that you know feel more confident because if there's anything that i'm confident in with with the kayak tournament is catching five fish in a day i can't guarantee that i can catch five big fish but usually you know you go out fishing one day and with lake size limits that I mean, I'll go out fishing a tournament. If, uh, for example, this weekend, like size limit here is 14 inches, I might go out and catch, you know, 15, 12 inches and just have to throw them back. But with the kayak tournaments, you don't actually have to go by lake limits and it's 12 inches. You know, most places, especially in the south, it's, it's there's those fish are quite plentiful. So you feel confident in catching five fish every time you go on the water? Yes. That's very good, man. Don't know about five. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the key. I think, like we said, get, getting five fish, it's going to keep you in the running and, you know, and who knows what can happen on third day. That's interesting, mentioning that you can you feel confident catching five fish. Now, is that every time you fish? Do you always feel? When's the last time you got skunk? Let me ask a more simple question. The last time I guess I got skunked, let me think. <laughs> well, there, <laughs> to um, me it was last week. It's not that <laughs> I, I did get skunked in one of our uh, inner squad tournaments on on Cherokee. I think it was might have been last week, but it was no. I I caught a fish in that. Oh, it was August. August. August on a squad on a tournament. And you fish September, right? A lot of fish in September? Uh, yes. Quite right. a bit. That's More good, time. man. When you have to really think about when's the last time you got skunk. To me, it's not that hard to. It's usually the same day or the last time that I fish. <laughs> but that's awesome, man. Congratulations. You, you've definitely uh, have a knack and a talent for this. And we're really excited to have you join the kayak fishing community and the tournament scene. Take me through your season so far. You know, when did you, what Hobie events have you started from the first one to the last one? 
you know, quick rundown on how you got to where you are, where you're sitting in first place. Well, the first one was actually uh, Lee Rhodes. She's Jamie Coza's uh, daughter, and she goes to school with me. She's on the fishing team. She asked me if I wanted to go down to Seminole and fish a kayak tournament. I said, well, my kayak's not exactly what you need for a kayak tournament. She's like, well, you can use one of ours. So I went down there. My first time ever getting in a Hobie. Go out there, get, get it figured out pretty quick had a pretty awful practice i don't know if i even caught five fish each day in practice and then i you know managed to put some stuff together and caught i don't know it's like 80 something inches a day i ended up in 12th place since the next one was at watts bar and that's an hour and a half away from college i decided that if i cashed a check in that one i fished the next one so that's what i did and then Watts Bar, it was incredible, leading all of day two. And Ryan, of course, had to come take that from me. He had to, <laughs> let, me, he had to let me wait a little before I could win one. Uh, <laughs> no, that was an extremely – Watts Bar was an extremely challenging tournament. Uh, I think it was hard on everyone. I don't think anyone that was fishing it was like, yeah, it was easy. Everyone that had a limit, if they did, they, they struggled for it. And I don't think it even took five fish a day to cut a check, which is quite incredible. Any lake that you have that many people out there, especially with the talent in yeah. the Hobie series, if the top, I think it was eight people got paid, maybe ten, if they don't all have a limit both days, that's that shows how it was fishing water temps i was fishing anywhere from like 39 to 42 degree water it's brutally cold i'm sure from texas you probably don't see that very often no yeah no it was it was bad this winter and they're saying this winter is gonna be might be just as bad um the winter itself wasn't bad we just had that one week uh, you know of like three inches of snow <laughs> we were like yeah we don't see this in texas but yeah man what what's bar i was keeping track taps on it um and it it was it was a grind man that was that was a bloodbath <laughs> for a lot of anglers i remember guillermo gonzalez saying like he does he you know that for the first time in a long time he got skunk on a tournament um and we all know what a great angler guillermo gonzalez yeah. is um so it was tough it was definitely tough uh I mean, for you guys, <laughs> I didn't take part of it, but looking at the results and following it online and following some uh, guys like you and um, others on social media, we can tell that it was it was really a tough lake to fish, especially on those conditions. I think the guy that came up third was, um, I, I, if I remember correctly, he was catching them. Was that the tournament he was catching them like with an A-rig on like 40 feet of water, something like that? It was, it was definitely something crazy. Yeah, it was – I couldn't remember if it's that one, but I think it's that one. Yeah, there's there was some crazy stuff going on in that turn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, you got Watts Bar. What was the next? The next was Hartwell. Okay. That one, almost everyone was catching a lot of fish. Size was hard to come by. I went for largemouth. I think it was Christine Fisher that said – that no one was going to be able to have their largemouth hold up because 
there's just not too many largemouth in Hartwell. But I was in an area that had quite a few largemouth in it. I ended up catching a couple spots on day two that were part of my limit. That one was – I mean, I went into it after the practice I had. I, You can ask Ryan. I was very confident that I was going to at least do well. I wasn't sure if I was going to win it or not. That one, I – I fished stuff on day one that I wasn't planning on fishing and made a couple upgrades. And I think the fact that I stayed out there and kept fishing, even though I've left my main area, that probably helped me a lot. I don't know if it would have changed if I won or not. It was a couple of inches. But on day two, going into the end when the leaderboard shut off, those couple of inches that I called from the first day, that really you know, helped calm the nerves. Awesome. So you got Iron Hartwell was your you won the tournament, correct? Yes, I did. Awesome, man. Congratulations on it. And then you got another second place finish, right? Yes, that was on the Susquehanna River. That was a great tournament as well. That was I was talking, I can't remember who I was talking to on the podcast, but we like I said, I'm a huge fan of this sport, so I follow the tournaments even if I'm not taking part of it. One of the most exciting tournaments was the Trinity, the KBF at Trinity River Day One Saturday, where um, Matt Scott had 101 or 100 inches in the first hour. Then Jody Quinn got 109, and then at the very end, with 17 minutes left, um, Guillermo Gonzalez calls, you know, with I, what was it a 27 inch something like that, and got up to 110, beating Jody by half. NH. That was one of the most exciting tournaments I've seen. Then there was the Bassmasters, which we all know what um, McElroy and um, forgot. Oh my God, uh, Mark Prendergraft, the Possum King, did. That was super exciting. And then, to me, in my opinion, the most exciting tournament this season was the Susquehanna River. And I say that because. Yes, it didn't have that one-on-one -on -one battle that was Jody Queen and Guillermo or uh, Mark Pettengraff and McElroy, but it had so many people in the running that anybody from the top 15 with one call could lead Frog into first place. Like, that was that close of a tournament. Like, it really, when it shot off down, you had no clue who was going to win it. Like, no clue. It's like... Anybody in the top 15 could have leapfrogged and got first place. How exciting was it for you to be in that tournament? And did you did, did you feel that same vibe uh, on that tournament when yeah, you were fishing was, it? Well, it was less exciting and more stressful for me. <laughs> I uh, bet. Uh, but so that, that one, I first was just trying to call some points for AOI and then a little later on the in the day, I was like, oh, I could win this. And I was, I guess, starting a little bit behind in the morning, which anywhere, if you have over 90 inches in a day, I, you should be in the running. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not leading it. But, uh, yeah, I went to thinking, wow, if I call one time that I might be able to win it, and I made that call. And then it was Jody Queen called in front of me, and I just never could run it back down. Yeah, no, that's Jody Queen's jam right there. He pretty yeah. much owns the Susquehanna River the last two years. But, I mean, impressive to just go to toe, to toe against Jody Queen on that, um, 
on the Sequahana, man. That says a lot still. Yeah. So that – go ahead. I'm sorry. He's, he's definitely a, one of the best anglers in the series, and especially if you if you go to the Susquehanna, I think everyone knows that he's going to be part of the question. Yeah. So that got you – that's your, like, the top three? Mm-hmm. And in your 12th place, that's for how many actual tournaments did you fish this year in the Hobie BOS? I fished, I believe, six. All right. And, and what had, were the other two? I had Rayburn, I got 15th. And then Champlain, I got fifth, I believe. Fifth place. So you've really been a model of consistency. I mean, in, in six tournaments at the most, in my opinion, the most demanding and um, competitive uh, kayak fishing tournament, which is the Hobie BOS. I mean, your worst place was 15th. That says a lot about the consistency. And I mean, t- probably the main reason why you're sitting in first place right now. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, I've, it's almost like every single tournament I might have not made, you know, the 15th and the 12th. There are a few things, you know, couple lost fish, but I feel like all of my decisions were solid. I fished with confidence all day and just kept an open mind. And that's that consistency, I think, has a lot to do with that. Just being open minded and fishing clean is, is the biggest part of, of the difference between the 12th and 15th. Everyone has the stories about big fish losses. Yeah. That's just fishing clean is, is a huge part, especially if it's a tough tournament. Yeah, definitely. I was just thinking about that today. I was fishing up in Grapevine and it was a tough day and it it makes you think there are there are some lakes out there like uh uh Peak uh Possum Kingdom where there's a lot of fish and maybe one or two fish lost doesn't mean the end of your tournament. But then there are lakes where it's like uh what's bar, you know, when you know, you gotta fish clean. You gotta fish clean if you want to even get a shot of being in the money. Well, Watts Bar, that was definitely condition based. It's it's one of my favorite lakes in the country. Yeah. Um, but there's a MLF tournament there. I think in June. Kind of kind of mad about that one because it it doesn't really get a whole lot of pressure for how good of a lake it is, and they're definitely gonna they're gonna start some some talk about that lake and it's it's going to become a huge stop yeah that's kind of like the same thing for us texans when we saw you know what happened in possum kingdom was like okay well the word's out now you know it's just a matter of time where it, it people start because it, other than that it's a beautiful lake as well a very enjoyable lake so it's uh it's kind of like yeah we kind of want to keep it a secret you know <laughs> let's not have everybody come up here every year and fish a tournament. If you look at what Lake Fork is, man, on Lake Fork, I remember for that tournament, uh, for the Bass Tournament, Bass Nation Kayak Series, I went pre-fishing on a Monday, and there was a board tournament at 8 in the morning. I'm like, on a Monday, on a school day. It's not even spring break. Mm-hmm. But it's, that's, you know, that's what it is. When you get when you get a lake that, that's famous, that's what you have to put up with. So, kind of kind of keep it a secret sometimes. Better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, What's been your overall, how much experience do you have right now in tournaments? I know we mentioned on the uh, pre-recording, you're 19 years old, so very young, very talented. Um, and with fishing and kayak fishing, 
more than skills is more about knowledge and applying that knowledge. Mm-hmm. How have you gained all this knowledge and that has allowed you to compete with the best? Have you, how long have you been fishing on? First of all, how long have you been fishing for bass? How long have you been fishing in tournaments? I mean, fishing for bass, I can't even remember when I started fishing for bass and stuff. It was so long ago that, you know, I, I just always remember there's nothing else that I remember other than fishing. Uh, but that's always been something that I've done. And then it was sometime in elementary school, I got a kayak and we started going to rivers and getting into that, catching smallmouth, uh, going to small lakes. Just ever since then, I've gotten more into it. My older brother, he, his junior year of high school, he, he fished some high school tournaments because our, our high school did not have a fishing team. So he fished for the next county over. He fished for their team. So my freshman year of high school, I started fishing tournaments with them. And ever since then, I've been fishing tournaments. So even though at your young age, you still have, what, uh, about four or five years of tournament fishing experience? Yeah, yeah, about five years of tournament fishing. That's good, man. And it's only going to get better the more time you spend on the water. Um, and the older you get, you know, you, you know, learn to apply the skills and the knowledge that you have and become wiser. So it's kind of scary for those that are fishing in the Hobie BOS tournaments out there. thinking, man, this guy is only 19 years old and look what he's doing already. How good is he going to be five years from now if you decide to keep doing this? Now, let me ask you this. Going into the Hobie BOS, you're sitting first place. Have you ever been in a situation where you're coming down to the last tournament and you're in the front seat and it determines, like, for example, going into TOC, it really is yours to win, right? You, mm-hmm. you probably don't have to win. You just have to have a pretty solid showing, and depending who mm-hmm. goes ahead of you. Have you ever experienced that at any level in tournament fishing? I've had that in, in high school. We had our three qualifiers to qualify for the state championship and if you got first or second in the state championship then you would qualify for the high school fastmaster high school uh national championship and they also had a spot through points through the three opens those high school opens and i think two years in a row i led those first time in the last tournament i didn't quite make it uh we slipped up a little bit and didn't catch him quite as well in the last tournament. But I think my, my senior year, I, I went to the high school national championship through that points system. And you were sitting in first place going into the last tournament? Yes. So that's a big advantage for yourself in, in a way of the way I see it is like when I'm on a tournament, I think it's tougher when you're sitting in first place early. Like, I'm not saying, well, you cut your first one to catch a fish. You're sitting in first place. Yeah, it doesn't count. Once you get the limit, once you get your your five limit and you look up the leaderboard, there's a few people that have got that limit already and you're sitting in first place and you're going to the last two hours, you're sitting in first place. That's, I think, more pressure than if you're sitting fourth or fifth spot. It's my opinion, my experience. If you're hitting, if you're 
fishing four or five spots from first place, then you really got nothing to lose. All you just got to mm -hmm. do is fish hard. But when you're fishing in first place, to me, it's like, what do you do to make sure you don't lose that lead? You know, how, mm -hmm. you know, you start looking at the leaderboard and then you start thinking, okay, who's sitting in the top five? What's their smallest fish and what do they need to call to surpass me? And I think that gets into your head because... I mean, and I know there's anglers that say, I don't watch the leaderboard. Sometimes because you don't have a signal, sometimes by choice, they say, I'm not going to watch the leaderboard. Mm -hmm. And while that is probably the best strategy is to keep fishing hard, when you're in first place, do you feel more pressure going in, you know, knowing that the tournament is yours to win or lose? Or do you, or do you feel more comfortable sitting in like a second or third place and knowing that all you have to do is just pedal to the metal and try to win it? What is, what is your preference as far as, well, I guess kind of stupid questions because we all prefer to be sitting in the driver's seat, mm -hmm. but what do you feel more comfortable fishing? I feel more comfortable being in the lead because that means, you know, I, like, if I do what I need to do, you know, if I, I think I've already calculated it. It's like if I get a top three, then I, I'll automatically win AOI. Mm -hmm. So it, it's nice that, you know, it's at this point it's between me and the fish. If I go out there and I catch enough, and I beat everyone in that one tournament, then that's mine. Whereas if, you know, say someone in, if I was in second place and I won the tournament, but the guy that was leading got second place, that he'd still get it. Just just the, you know, the fact that if you catch him good enough, it's not like, oh, he he did this, he caught him a little bit better. And yeah. When you're leading it, it's – if you don't win the points, it's it's you. <laughs> I mean, that's, exactly. You, you control your destiny. And I yeah. think a lot of it is like that pressure of like, what do I do to make sure I don't lose it versus I'm sitting in second place. The game plan is simple. Just fish hard and try to get them. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's the difference. And, I, and, and you've had, obviously, you feel comfortable in the lead. You'd have that experience already, I think, twice, you said, um, mm -hmm. on the collegiate level or the high school level. So you're comfortable sitting in, in that first place position. Let me ask you this, because this is going to be a, a three-day tournament. You always, you, I know you're anxious to win the TOC. Everybody wants to win the TOC. To win the TOC guarantees you, you know, you won everything. You won the TOC and you won Angler of the Year. So you got that doubleheader trophy right there. But now, let's say you're going into day three and you're not sitting in first place, not in the AOA standings or... But just not, you know, you really may not have a shot at winning it, but you see Drew Gregory... And some of the guys below you that are further down than you. At that point, what would be your strategy going into day three? Is it going to be like, I still want to win the TOC? Or listen, as long as I get my five fish, I should win this because the lead right now that I have over the other ones that are below me. Does you think, and again, it's hard to predict that because we haven't gotten to that stage. But do you at any point think about what the game plan is going to be? Going into day two, the scenarios of I got a shot at winning the TOC, so might as well go for it versus I may not have a shot. So right now, all I need to do is make sure 
Drew Gregory doesn't get ahead of me or Jody Quinn or Russ Snyder don't get ahead of me. And that's all going to be depending on where they stand after day two. How do you prepare yourself mentally and do you even have a game plan for that? That'll really depend on how the fishing's going. If I have, you know, one way that I can catch five fish and I think, you know, there's a difference between if it's I'm going out there and I'm catching 15, 20 fish, but they're just not big. Or if it's I'm going out there and I have to grind to get these five keepers. So if I'm catching, you know, a bunch of 13, 14 inches and culling by quarters of an inch all day long, I might try to go and try something new after I get to five to try to bump up. But I would never – Ryan Lambert always told me, he said, in the two days, he'd say, you got to catch five to get to ten. Just focus on getting a limit first. Yeah. I've used that through the whole the whole series that I've fished. You know, once you catch your big your your five fish, go fish for your big one. But I, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to go finesse fish if that's not the way that I'm catching them. Just try to catch little ones. But if I have an area where I'm catching more fish, but not so much quality. I'll stay there, and then I'll move once I get to five and try to catch the bigger fish. Yeah, it seems like a solid technique. And, again, it's it's one exciting thing. It's a game within a game. And, uh, you know, good luck to you going into that, man, because I know it's uh, it's got to be a mental grind. Like you said, you're kind of nervous, the jitters, how's it going to be, and that extra pressure, like, I don't want to blow it up. You know, I don't want to be like, oh, man, I had it, and I lost a grip on it. it when it's yours to win, you really want to pounce yeah. on that. But that's definitely going to be depending on how you're doing, how you comp- and how the um, competition is doing. Because in this case, it's not just about winning this tournament, but actually winning Angler of the Year, which I'm assuming that's that's the biggest goal for you right now, more than anything, more than actually winning the TLC. Which again, kind of mute point, because if you win the TLC, you want everything. And I think we're, Drew and I were going through the numbers. I think Drew is sitting sitting in second place, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then I think Jody Quinn is third, Russ Snyder, and... I thought it was Brian Howell was third. Brian. Brian Howell is third, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know the top five is either... I know it's you, Drew, um, Brian, and I think Jody Quinn and Russ Snyder round up the mm-hmm. top five. I'm not sure. Jay Wallen might be in that conversation, too. Can't remember the exact. But I think what Drew was telling me is, like, even if Drew wins, if you end up, I think, even in third place, you still win the tournament. So you can't. So in order for him to actually have a shot at him, at winning, he has to win. You know, you have to be like four positions down from where he is right now. So if he wins, and again, I don't, I don't know all the metrics on the point standing. I don't know if, if it's like if you're if he's in fourth and you're in eighth place, does he still win it? You know, because the points double, so it, it's there's a lot of math there. That's not my forte. <laughs> well, I, uh, I hope that Drew's watching this because he'd probably get a laugh out of this. But when I saw that the river section was cut was off limits for you, Paula. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh well, at least he won't have a river to get in. Yeah, yeah that that gives you uh yeah that that I'm sure Jody Quinn and. And Drew is probably kicking themselves right now for that. Like, man, that's that was the shot to 
to take you and Miner down. But uh, yeah, I mean, the good anglers figure it out, and we all know Jody Quinn and Drew Gregory are. And again, no disrespect. There is again, we had yeah. Russ Snyder who's in the running, and uh, Brian Howell who actually did pretty good on the bathroom. I mean, he was one fish which he lost um, mm -hmm. from getting into like the top five. So you follow and is no strange or Brian Howe is no stranger to follow. He's got to be definitely one of the favorites considering what he's already done in you follow. So mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting. Yes, definitely. Well, it is a fall tournament. So that's that definitely anyone that's done good there in the spring, the fall is a completely different animal on any lake you go to. Yeah. Now, you mentioned something, and I thought it was a perfect segue, but we kind of continue talking. Your relationship with Ryan Lambert. Um, kind of, Ryan Lambert has kind of taken you under, um, under his wing. And I remember having Ryan Lambert a few weeks ago uh, on the podcast, and one of the questions that I asked him, who does he think is the best angler right now? And we were kind of debating with Ross Snyder, Jody Quinn, but he actually feels you're right now the best kayak angler in competition. That is his high praise. Um, Ryan Lambert not only is a great angler on the water himself, but he also has a lot of knowledge of the history of kayak fishing and yeah. the industry. So what does that mean to get high praise from somebody like Brian Lambert for you? What does that mean to you? It, it means a lot kind of from since I guess after Walt bar going to Hartwell, he kind of, he took me under his wing. I travel around with him and he's really helped me out on the industry side of things. Just telling me, you know, what things to do to try to get in and look good for other companies other than the fishing part. And, that's really helped me a lot, but it's, you know, he was, he's just always been really helpful and keeping me up to date on the other, other side of fishing that I have had much experience with. Yeah, but that's, it, uh, you go ahead. I'm sorry. It, it means a lot to me that he was saying that with all the other anglers out there that have proven themselves year after year. Do you feel, obviously, you've gotten this far. Do you yourself, when you look at yourself, do you feel like you've earned those high prices? Um, I kind of feel like I've just been really fortunate this year. It's just whenever I go to a tournament, it seems like when I first put my kayak in the water, wherever it is, or sometimes it's the second or third launch, but whether I have two days or three days of practice or even one day, it seems like the first place I go to is where I end up for the tournament. It's just almost like, oh, this looks good on the map. Let me go check it. And it happens to have fish. It's a lot luck, you could say. I don't know if it's luck or just good map study, maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. And it, it's funny when people say luck, and I can't remember who it was on a podcast um, that said, I was talking to uh, Josh from the Dark Waters, former Dark Waters Kayak Fishing Podcast. Uh, Josh, is she listening? We miss you, man. I hope you get back on doing the, the tournament scene and the Dark Waters Kayak Fishing Podcast. Looking forward to 
what he has next. I think he's starting another podcast uh, called Dark Waters. But anyways, Josh was saying um, that luck is involved, yes, mm -hmm. but you have to put yourself in a position that luck is going to play a hand. And, you know, you don't get to that position by just being lucky, especially when we're talking about three-day tournament. You know, it's one of those things was like talent, knowledge, um, putting in putting in practice what you learned, the wisdom of, you know, you got the knowledge, how to do apply it. I call that wisdom. I think everybody does. So find get, having that it factor, that wisdom, that knowledge mm -hmm. is going to get you in a position where, luck is gonna you know good luck it's gonna maybe get you that win or at least in the money and then be bad luck for another tournament angler who missed or you know missed a, a, a hook set or had a fish disqualified well you still got to where you are because of your talent not because of luck like you won you may have won got lucky but you got there because of talent you know you yeah. don't catch five fish by luck let's just say mm -hmm. that you know you may catch yeah. one big one by luck but five fish you're not gonna catch by luck so you have to put yourself in that position that thing that's the most important thing is that a lot of people don't understand it's you have to put yourself in that position i i agree with that 100 uh so go ahead not not to end this too soon but my team's getting ready to Go yeah, no, man. Uh, so we could wrap this up. Uh, no problem, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah. If you want to give a shout out before you leave to any of your sponsors, anybody you want to thank, go out ahead. And then after that, we'll I'd, cut it. I'd really like to thank Jamie Cozen and Dugout Bait and Tackle. They've been extremely helpful to me this year. By Jamie let me borrow his kayak going into the tournament, the first two tournaments. And then once I won the money to get a kayak and had a little bit extra he he you know helped me pick out a kayak he rigged it up for me and all that stuff and then also cigar fluorocarbon uh they i've been using their line all year and it's that's part of the luck you gotta you gotta have the right stuff to get them in the boat once, yes, once you do get that bike well said well ewan thank you so much i won't take you any more of your time good luck this weekend on the collegiate tournament Good luck at Ufala uh, with the TOC and the Angler of the Year race, man. Wish you the best. And for those out there listening, thank you for listening to all the podcasts. Remember, go check out Douglas Rod, douglasoutdoors.com. If you're going to be on the water, wear your PFDs. Have a great day, everyone. Peace out. Thanks again, Ewan. Appreciate it, man.